everybody and welcome in to the Promo Guy podcast. Today is Thursday, June 15th. You'll be listening to this Friday at the earliest. This is now the eighth episode of the podcast brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Mojo, the stock market for sports. I am once again joined by Nick from Blue Duck Media. Nick, how are we today? I'm good. Eight episodes. It's crazy. They really kind of snuck up on us, huh? Yeah, right? And scary um, to think I how, feel like how many units I won or I lost, presumably, on uh, Game 5 of the Nuggets Heat series. Yeah, I'm sorry I had to do that what to exactly you. Bad? It couldn't have been the spread unless you took the Heat this time and I took the Nuggets. No, I was. I actually did take the Nuggets money line, but okay, I think so I where, money... So that's where I lost. Yeah, obviously. Um I also took the the heat under points, which was played out pretty well for me. But um, yeah, what do we want to call it? I'm up around like eight units at this point. Ah, well, why stop there? 15, 20, <laughs> whatever you want, man. Um, all right. Well, we've got a fun episode today, so I'm, I'm pretty ready to jump in. Uh, let's, uh, let's knock out the state of the stack. What do, what do we got going? How's it been? Yeah, let's do it. Not a hugely eventful week. Uh, on Twitter, we had sort of up and down overall, and then I would say we had the uh, the big Vegas hit, which was nice, the plus a thousand free bet. So overall, it was it was you know surely an up week, but you know nothing crazy notable. Discord uh, out. Oh, I did want to mention Discord. Uh, I do have a promo code for people today to sign up. Uh, Hank asked when we were going to do another giveaway. And I think that guess the boost uh, is kind of going to be tough to predict uh, what the boost will be on FanDuel now that we don't have any more, you know, big NBA or NFL games. So use the code Hank for fifty percent off your first month. That'll be good for the first fifty customers, or I think I set it out to like Monday or something. So there you go, giveaway. You can thank Hank fifty uh, percent off. I'll also do a, a Discord giveaway for current subscribers. Look at that. Producer Hank really looking out for our audience. Yeah, you know, he uh, he's always pushing us to be better, right? Yeah. I mean, despite what everyone says, great guy. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so then how, how's performance been? So uh, nothing crazy notable in there. Officials down a couple units uh, on the week. But otherwise, it was, you know, pretty, pretty solid week in there. But Dinger Tuesday, uh, a huge week. It's been a really good run. For Dinger Tuesday, especially for the limited folks in general, but then Unlimited went absolutely crazy this past week, uh, going up, I believe, $368 just on the home run bets. And we have another $195 of free bets to work with. We had a few free bets hit this past week. So now we are currently up to $884.60 of profit for the Unlimited with $195 of free bets to work with. And Limited is up $546.80 with $50 of free bets to work with. So great stuff there. Uh, my big takeaway from that is, you know, a lot of people complained when when FanDuel moved to $50 maxes um, where people were capped. We spoke about it here. I kind of said I still expect it to be a, a really profitable promo. I think we are about 10 weeks in, maybe nine weeks. And $547 is awesome with $50 of free bets coming. Unlimited, 
$884. We have a very good chance of hitting a thousand after 10 weeks. So right on pace where we've been the last few years and just, you know, it's a really great promo. I said it before the season, like don't give up on it because it's $50 max. And if you're unlimited, it's probably your first year doing it. That seems to be sort of the, the theme there. Uh, I'm really happy that people are enjoying it the way we've enjoyed it in previous years. You know, the profits are kind of coming along as they have previously as expected. So that was, that was, that was really exciting for me. Uh, the other takeaway is not to, to sell you a bit, but this whole thing is $15 a month and Dinger Tuesday alone, uh, I believe is well worth it. $7.50 if you use the Hank promo code, uh, this month. So sell them a bit. Yeah. You know, every once in a while you gotta, you gotta flex a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. One more thing. Want to shout out our sponsor, Mojo, for Sunday Slams. Another really successful week. And then ROI Guy for <laughs> absolutely crushing it with the, the Sunday Slams promo on the Discord. So last week, he says he bet $37.50. So this is the VIP. So you can divide it by 10 and return $40.72. So he made $323. So that would be $32 for the non-VIP members then plus 2,700 in site credit, so $270. So last week, uh, he would make quick math. Uh, if you are in the unlimited, which I assume most people are, you made around $300 last week. And then the week before, that $3,750 returned $3,549. So lost about $200 plus $2,040 in site credit. So the VIP would have made was that so $1,800 or so, so $180 if you're non-VIP. So, you know, that's a couple hundred bucks each week. Shout out to Mojo Sunday Slams for doing such a great promo. Shout out to ROI Guy for doing a great job with it in the Discord. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited that it is coming back uh, this upcoming week and then the week after because they promised they'd be doing it all throughout June. Um, okay, so let's do the gambling landscape update. All right. Anything yeah. you want to talk about? Cool. No, I'm excited to talk about the, uh, this update a little bit because you sent me a topic you wanted to cover this week. And it's a bunch of other EV accounts keep popping up out of the woodwork. And they. it seems to be you are more established in the space, but people keep popping up in very like... In, in smaller manners and then trying to convert to discord pretty quickly. So can you explain to me what like the competition is like in that space, what you think of other accounts and just explain what you wanted to talk about? Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I don't want to, this is not really a competition thing. I, I don't view uh, a lot of this as an either, or I think a lot of people are in multiple discords. I think maybe like you mentioned, you know, like my retention is like, 93% and it's really higher because people move up and down tiers and that kind of goes against the numbers month over month. Like I'm, I'm not worried about losing people other times when, when uh, discords have opened up, like I've literally lost zero people that day. Uh, so it's, it's not anything like that. I think it's actually a much more interesting thing for the space in general. So at, for background, I think there are now about 10. So I, I did my, Discord, I launched it, what, January of last year, and then one more came in, I don't know, maybe 
five months later, four months, I don't, you know, I don't know the exact timing. And then since then, there's probably been about nine or 10 pop up. And really the, they, they felt so another one just came out recently and, and a few it's been, especially in the last few months, there've been more and more. And really they all follow the same pattern, which is people uh, creating free accounts because of the current uh, Twitter accounts had either gone paid discord or kind of just given up entirely. And then they started, they start tweeting out a few, you know, people start, and mostly tweeting out like this group, a lot of them were tweeting out some of the stuff that like, wasn't, let's say on mine or, and maybe other like free Twitter accounts. So they would put out parks boosts and bet 365 stuff. And maybe some of the more just try or state specific. So you have a PA account, you have a, Virginia account, you know, whatever, you have all these different states and they try and cover that. Maybe stuff that, that is mostly in discords otherwise find their niche in the space and then go to a paid discord. And I, I think of it kind of two ways. And I mostly think about it from like the free EV community, getting free picks, uh, thought where it's always been sort of this consistent thing where there's always been, okay, the FanDuel accounts boosts and stuff are fully covered. Now you have some of the more niche stuff being covered. Every state is covered. Uh, most books get covered. And I think that's been a great thing. Now, a lot of these accounts clearly would not have started if they weren't just going to go paid at some point. <laughs> uh, I think they've proven that more than anything by going paid, right? Uh, even if few of them, friend, uh, value bets had retired and then came back to, to join this Discord. So I don't understand people getting mad at this phenomenon because clearly these accounts wouldn't exist if they didn't have the idea of going paid. Uh, and that seems to just be the reality of the Twitter space right now. And it's a lot of work. And if you can show that you provide value for people, like I get it, right? Um, so I just wonder about the sustainability of it. Because at some point, I don't know if the number is we already are at it. I don't know if the number is it's going to take a few more. But at some point, like the amount of money you get from working hard for a couple months, showing that you're good, showing the math behind your work, finding all these plays, and then getting gaining people's trust and then trying to convert them into paid users, at some point, it's, it might not make sense for people to go through that monetarily, especially someone that, you know, works hard at their job and has other options and, and that kind of stuff. So, and I don't think any of these people left their job or anything, but I guess what I'm getting at is, will this be able to sustain itself so that people can always have a free option? And I think it's great for people to have uh, a free option. So I'm very curious to see, I don't know necessarily how they specifically do. Cause like I said, there's like nine or 10 that popped up. So this is just the latest iteration. But I'm interested to see, will there be free accounts that come in to replace them so that people's needs continue to get met? Or if this just lands in, I've got to join a Discord if I want to get, you know, my state specifics, my targeted stuff, my Bet365, my parks, you know, Bet Rivers, you name it, right? Some of the stuff that just isn't basically circulating around a bunch of free accounts. Yeah. D does this feel like it's just an endless, it seems to me like it's an endless cycle where there's always going to be people popping up with free accounts with a goal in mind of eventually monetizing it. So it, it's just a, like continuing life cycle of people getting turned on to EV, understanding that it's a great way to bet 
and being like, I could do the same, starting their own channel, trying to put out their plays and eventually getting a large enough following that they monetize while new people come in and, and try and do it themselves. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be the kind of thing where, you know, the, the pay per hour of this whole experience, like just erodes and it's just not worth it for, for people to do. And obviously they're making the money themselves. So it's like, Oh, if I'm going to do the research anyway and have this as a side hustle, like I might as well try and get a couple of people to pay me, but it's also like, it's a lot of work and it, everything changes when you go paid in terms of, you know, you can't just really take days off and you can't really just ignore people and you got to worry about refunds and you got to worry about, uh, Oh, my card didn't go through. Oh, can you help me with this? Like, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. I, one of these discords like, Oh, I'm going to do one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, right? Like, like it's a big endeavor. And if, and if people are going to, to keep paying more and more discords, then yeah, I think it will be an endless cycle. It's, it's all supply demand, but if the bang for buck just keeps getting worse, then it may not be an endless cycle. And it might be the kind of thing where like free accounts just aren't popping up left and right anymore. I, I don't know what stage we're at. I don't know if, if it's endless, but so in theory, interesting to eventually, see in theory, eventually, like people just start to gravitate towards the biggest account, like accounts that offer the best value. And it starts to look somewhat like the gambling landscape, AKA one day, eventually you are the FanDuel of the EV community. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't know if I really think of it in that way. My, my sort of Twitter, just like the whole thing's been like a steady climb and consistent. And, you know, you put out good plays and like, I think it always helps when people, you know, trust you over a long period of time. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'm able to do podcasts or articles and just, you know, find a way to kind of articulate thoughts. Uh, I think that there are plenty of people that, that do a good job. And, I, I, you know, I don't know if I, I get what you're saying. You're saying that basically, it's sort of pyramids. I think it might already pyramid. I'm just giving you a compliment that you're going to be the guy that dominates the EV market. Well, in some way, it's from uh, followers, whatever perspective, it's it's kind of already that way. But like, I think a lot of people, you know, are passionate about some of the smaller accounts, especially if you are in PA and you want free advice. Like I'm not covering. Sure, if there's a FanDuel state specific, I'll, I'll tweet out or something. And in the Discord, uh, I, I do that stuff. But if, if you just focus on the free community, I am not putting out PA specific promos for, you know, parks, let's say <laughs> on Twitter. And so you cannot get that from me, but there were people where are, you know, I, I don't know the, again, uh, what will happen with this, but there were people that were doing that and that had loyal following. So I, I don't know if it, if it's fair to say that it's going to pyramid in that way. But yeah, I think it either ends with, will there be people covering this stuff for free or will you have to pay someone to do it? So it'll be interesting to see. That's all I've got. Uh, did you have any follow-ups or do we want to move on to the uh, wheel of sports? Well, let's hit the wheel. Time to spin our wheel of sports. Let's see what we're discussing today. Our options are the Nuggets win the championship. Dynasty incoming. NFL players gambling amongst themselves. First Vegas championship, Zion's adventures, and TPG's real name. Here we go. Let's give it a spin.
All right. We got the Denver Nuggets first championship. And I think it kind of sucks when everyone in sports media does this, but I think it's the, the way everything looks for them, the way everything looks for them contractually and with age and all their guys being so young, it's tough not to ask if we're going to be in Mile High City every June for the next few years. Uh, what do you think? Do we have a, a young dynasty on our hands? So for starters, I, I – promise you guys, at least for a little while, this is the last rigged wheel sports where we just talked about the NBA playoffs. Um, but do I think this is dynasty? So I think about it in kind of two ways. So I guess the dynasties that we've had are the Warriors. Uh, and I think that that was at least, you know, obviously partially aided by them continuing to sort of retool and get better, right? They obviously had Durant, which is responsible for, you know, call it half the dynasty run. Uh, and then, you know, even with the additions of, you know, so they were able to trade KD for assets, then turn those assets into good players and sort of steer that chip around and create a new championship window for them. And then, so that was, the, that's kind of the Warriors. Like they started out good. They beat, they, they had uh, those, Two great years at the beginning. They won one championship with Kyrie and Lovehurt, and then they arguably were better the next year. They won more games, and uh, it took a heroic 3-1 comeback to beat them, and then they won another championship after they retooled and won two in between with the rank. The other dynasty has basically just been LeBron, wherever he goes. Uh, if you look at his run in the East, what do you go to? Nine NBA champion. He went to nine finals. Yep. Uh, he's been a 10 total, but he went to nine and like nine know, straight. Yeah. He went to Miami and won four of them. So, you know, there's eight of your titles right there. And I would argue basically two dynasties and having LeBron and having him go to teams that sort of say like, we're in win now mode. And you have, the, you know, the perfect guy arguably ever to build your team around and try and win whatever. So, I don't know if they have either of those two. And then, and then the Spurs was the other one. Uh, they were they had the Robinson-Duncan beginning, and then they added Kawhi kind of later, creating two big windows for them. So I don't know if they fall into any of those categories. Like We'll have to see. I think that they're going to have to improve in order to do it that way. Well... I'm glad I'm glad we're on different pages here because I I tend to look at it a little differently. I think that in order to have a dynasty, you need to have. I, I mean, if we look at LeBron and we look at the Warriors, they never really had to go out and make a big move in order to establish their winning ways, and then they were able to retool using their future draft picks as after they started to win. I mean, for Miami, it was just bring in another, bring in old guys that fit around him. And for uh, LeBron with the Cavs, it, they did mortgage their future, giving up first round picks and Wiggins to get Kevin Love and be ready to compete right away. The Nuggets are homegrown and have so much financial flexibility moving forward. Like you get another good year out of Michael Porter Jr., who's still young and he starts to elevate his game more. You can move him for a bunch of draft picks and a young player continue to stay young and just retool on the fly. I think we saw that with the Warriors. 
when the Warriors were good before even getting Kevin Durant, then they get to extend their dynasty by making by pushing all their chips in and going for it all and continuing the dynasty for a few extra years. Like as long as you have financial flexibility going forward, you have the ability, you're already at the top of the mountain. You have chips in your pocket in order to make sure you stay there. While other teams who needed to push their chips in in order to get there might not have a chance to get back. You look at a team like the Raptors pushed all their chips in to get Kawhi. You look at a team like the Bucks needed to trade, I think, four first round picks to get Drew Holiday there. Then needed to give big. They're gonna. They're about to have to give big money to Brook Lopez this summer. Like they don't have a lot of flexibility. They need to hope that Joe Ingles finds the fountain of youth. They need to hope that like they get the Jay Crowder experiment didn't work out. They need to hope that the PJ Tucker is bouncing around the league come to them. But a team like the Nuggets, they still have young players getting better and optionality. I agree. Look, I agree. So I was going to say the first part is everyone's needed to get better. And what you're kind of describing is a leap from Michael Porter uh, or, you know, sort of an ability to gain assets. But I think that the one thing that Denver has like really in their favor, other than youth and stuff that you mentioned, is the new CBA and how much harder it's going to be for super teams to kind of be created and, and jump up, right? So a lot of the teams that have hurt a lot of these dynasties, let's say, may may not have been able may not be able to exist today. And a lot of the teams that are, let's say, chasing Denver or peers with Denver, you know, see eye to eye with them it'll be really hard for a lot of those teams to get significantly better. You look at the Celtics, right? And they're the the number two favorite to win it all. Like they have real cat problems if they're trying to significantly improve. Uh, you look at some of the, you know, like the Phillies and the, the Lakers of the world. Like it's just hard to financially improve your team a lot without – you know, serious repercussions coming in this CBA. So that's where Denver may have the advantage of they may not need to get that much better because it's going to be hard for everyone around them to get much better. So we'll see how that all plays out. But let's do our second our second wheel here. Let's give it a spin. All right. The Golden Knights win in Vegas. And it's the first championship from any team in Vegas. I think we may get a second if we're talking WNBA. So this may be a great year for Vegas, but I think this is the first mark of legitimacy for any sports town. So does this make Las Vegas an even more enticing destination for the MLB and the NBA as they're looking to expand? Or is Vegas, I know in the past Vegas had been looked at as almost like a taboo city and kind of dirty, but as sports gambling becomes more and more mainstream, is Vegas one of the hottest sports cities and are, are, are we going to see more leagues moving to Vegas? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a good question. I think anytime you move into a city, especially like Vegas, where there's so many other options of things to do, entertainment, arguably more than, you know, like LA, right. Which is, uh, you know, they didn't have a football team for a while and people wondering like if it's a great sports town, town type thing. Um, people say like Miami uh, kind of has the same uh, issues. Like Vegas more than those places has so much else going on and may not have the same sort of 
you know, it's in Nevada. It's like not the mainness of like a, the heart of, let's say, California or Florida. So I think a lot of people were maybe more negative, And now they're sort of seeing the vision. You have all of these people in Vegas going to the games, getting super passionate about it. Like the experiments kind of worked. And the championship helps because it's a lot easier to get new fans or to get the people of Nevada, of Vegas to buy in when your team's really good. And that'll only get them more excited about other sports. But I think a lot of the doubts do kind of go away when you see it work successfully and have Vegas become a legitimate sports town that isn't solely, you know, focused on other things. Similar similar to LA, right? Like Staples Center goes crazy. You have celebrities everywhere. Similar to Miami where the, you know, uh, the Heat have sold out every game since like 2010. Uh, like a lot of the, a lot of the negativity around and the stigma around big, exciting cities that have so much else going on, I think is somewhat eroding and that it's hard to replace like the excitement of sports. Yeah. I mean, I- I'm happy we threw this question in there because I fully think that the championship does in some ways legitimize Vegas as a, as a home for sports. And I saw today Nevada Senate passed a $380 million bill uh, to help fund the new stadium for the athletics. It just feels like Vegas is willing to spend the money and there's so much money floating around there that they're willing to really invest in the infrastructure of sports. Um, It just feels like a great, it's going to be a great sports city and I'm pretty excited for the NBA to get there. Yeah. I do wonder also as it pertains to Vegas you mentioned the legalization of sports betting as a positive. Well, FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever, like all these aren't legal in Vegas. And I'm not saying Vegas has been hurt by that. I don't, I don't really know like the tourism numbers and stuff. But I do wonder if it shifts to more of a entertainment town. And it's always been obviously on a lot of levels, entertainment town with shows and all that. But rather than a pure gambling town because the appeal of, oh, we're going to go to Vegas and go to the casino, it's still there, but, well, now I can play cards on my phone in my apartment in New York, right? Um, Now I can bet on anything, much more than you can bet on at at any, not amount, but a much wider offering than anything you can bet in Nevada. So I do wonder if also this sports transition is, part of the maybe not the gambling move but about the entertainment move for Vegas as they look to almost pivot and take the allure of Vegas and not kind of lose it with gambling being legalized in I don't know 30 something other states now yeah yeah I know it's interesting to think about uh, but let's let's take a break here and we've got grind my gears coming up a bit earlier today so uh, we'll be right back with that. Okay, I've got a new promo code for Mojo, the stock market for sports. The code is TPG Match. So TPG M A T C H gets you a 20% deposit match up to $200. Uh, I highly recommend doing this and playing their Sunday Slams promotion, which is only available in New Jersey and has been incredibly profitable for people tailing ROI Guy in the Discord. So again, TPG match, 20% deposit match up to $200. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Draft a fantasy team against your friends for tonight's or tomorrow's games to win cash prizes. 
or try out their Pick'em game where you can predict player stat projections for a chance to win big. Underdog's slick mobile app is easy to use and it's even easier to just start playing. Go to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Sign up with the promo code PGP, the Promo Guy Podcast, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code PGP. back in uh so we are going to do grind my gears first and then we will get into the rest of the b-block which is the big thought as always so grinds my gears i wanted to do grinds my gears a little earlier and there was only one option for what to do because michiganders have been hounding me for the last week uh, to include it and that is michigan not getting the majority of these DraftKings promos. So I mentioned up at the top that, and I've mentioned many times before, I've had DraftKings number one in the EV rankings, and I've that's only been further cemented in my mind because they have the up two promo, they have these daily no sweat SGPs, they have, and I'll get into it actually in the next segment as we go through the May results, but they've been really stepping up their game. The one big problem, and some people might say limits, but to me, the biggest issue that I have with DraftKings right now is how can you exclude Michigan from 90% of these promos? Like, I know the the reasoning, because they basically did it last year too with Michigan and, and I think it was New Jersey and somewhat Pennsylvania last year. But the reasoning is, uh, I believe they said it on uh, earnings call or something, that these states are saturated that they've been around for a while and we don't feel the need to give them promos uh, because, you know, they, they're they already with us or they're, they're against us. I believe, and I think every other sports book would believe, that this is stupid because Michigan has tons of other books. You're giving $10 promos <laughs> and to just piss people off that they're not getting them is going to make them turn to FanDuel and Caesars and all these other books that Michigan has that are offering promos. And that's where their normal action is going to go too. Like it has essentially been proven that as a sports book, when you offer promos, it helps increase your handle, not just because people are betting promos, but because they're betting on your book entirely. And for you to single out one state, slap them in the face and say, we just don't care about what Michigan does. It pisses me off and it pisses off the whole state. It's ridiculous. It also, it doesn't make it like, I don't follow the logic. Like it, it, I wouldn't piss me off, like piss off of the, the state of Michigan. Sure. If it makes sense and it's a good business move, but losing market share and pissing off a full state doesn't really make sense to me. Cause like you said, if, if they're not offering promos, other other places still are. Right. If this was a colluded charge against Michigan people and they just don't have options for promos, <laughs> then yeah, you might make the case that they're just going to bet wherever they're going to bet and that they've been on draft yeah. long enough and they gave promos before, so they might stick with them. But Michigan's getting promos everywhere else. So, you know, people are still signing up in Michigan. People are still doing whatever. I mean, 
it just doesn't really make sense to single them out and to assume that you're not going to lose any market share when, especially in the dead season, like they think that it's better to do it in the dead season. I would argue, and I don't know the numbers behind this, but you might be better off doing it during football season when people are betting anyway, uh, as opposed to just having the states ignore you for for months. And this is what they did last year. They completely went away everywhere, essentially last year, but especially in those states. And they lost a lot of market share in that time to FanDuel. That is how FanDuel has 50 plus percent market share in the US because DraftKings and Caesar, some of their biggest competitors went away during the, you know, quote unquote dead months while FanDuel still had Dinger Tuesday, while they still had daily boosts every day. And that really propelled them. So why would you make the same exact mistake but only for Michigan because now they're giving promos to everyone and they're killing it. And I got them number one in the EV rankings. Like they're doing amazing things except for in Michigan. So <laughs> it's ridiculous to me. And yeah. I hope they get their heads out of their ass to be honest. Yeah. I, I think Hank, get the camera ready. I think we're clipping that out. And I, we want, I want to see if we could get that. I, I'd love to be the reason that change comes to Michigan. So let's see what we can do there, but let's keep it moving. Let's talk our big thought today. Big thought. I wanted to go through uh, the May results. So I got two big thoughts, actually, but we'll start with the May results. So I shared the PL, I think it was yesterday. Uh, so two days ago for people listening, or however many days ago, uh, depending on when you listen. And another really great month, especially because I missed half of it or a chunk of it. We were up $667. We hit 30K for the account. Altogether, uh, this comes off the back of what was it eight eighteen hundred dollars last month and fifteen hundred dollars the month before. So, what does all that mean? That means that for all this talk of you know EV betting, it's going away, and, and everyone's pissed off about this book doing this and this book doing that. Uh, once again, uh, a strong month. I'll go through book by book. So FanDuel down $34. The first time FanDuel has been down, I should have done this before. So last month they were up 1100 month before almost 1000 FanDuel has not been down, excuse me, since November, 2022. And so May is the first month they were down since then, only $34. I don't have, I mean, uh, let's see, boosts were down $77. So, you know, that's kind of the full explanation there. Uh, I think it's kind of hard to read too much into it. Uh, I think that stuff slowed down a little bit on FanDuel. Again, keep in mind, whether you're limited or unlimited, you made, uh, if you're in this where you made hundreds of dollars, uh, if not many hundreds, on Dinger Tuesday, which they're also running, so you want to give them credit for that. But, you know, when the, whenever the boosts have a down month, it's not going to be good for FanDuel because that's, largely with drives uh, FanDuel profits, unless you have some cool March Madness World Cup. Not that I tracked the World Cup, but you know the, those kinds of promos where they have a really great promo for a big event in a given month. They did NFL SGPs in the past, like the SGP promos, NBA SGP promos in the past. They've done a lot of targeted stuff, which none of which I track. So, you know, I, I want to be a little bit fair to FanDuel, but not a great month uh, on their and uh, Caesars up $87, pretty unnotable, kind of par for the course of Caesars, obviously a slightly 
maybe slightly worse than you'd hope, but just looking back, it's Caesars hasn't been phenomenal <laughs> for the most part. So, you know, you get $86 from Caesars, you kind of take it. They didn't have a ton of bets out there. And then DraftKings, who last month we spoke about why do I have them number one in the EV rankings when FanDuel is so much more profitable for months on end? It's because I saw basically what was coming, which is DraftKings having a big month up $615. And not that anything's guaranteed, but all these $10 promos add up. And I've been saying that for months, uh, that when you have a 50% EV $10 promo, it is the same thing as a 10% EV $50 max bet FanDuel boost. And for the, so I started tracking this three months ago, so we're three for three on making money on the SGP promos without the free bet coming in. So we made $68 on the SGPs themselves on DraftKings that related to these promos. A lot of that is, you know, me being able to find uh, good lines, correlations, whatever voodoo magic I do, uh, three straight months of making money, forget about the promo. Then free bets, in general, we made $260. The SGPX promos, we made $172. So that that's really what drove uh, the profits overall. It was DraftKings. It was the SGP promos and the free bets that came from them. It was the SGPX boost that came from that. Uh, overall, happy with where promos are. Obviously, it's not the $1,800, $1,500 that we made the previous two months, but you're talking about making... 122 uh, bets in May, and most of them were tracked at $10. <laughs> that, that's a really good month. Uh, one note I wanted to make, a few people asked me, I thought it would just be easier to explain it on the podcast. FanDuel in the middle month turned a lot of people's boost max limits to $25. I did a poll, it was about 25% of people had $25 maxes, which it was big enough. I mean, it's not huge, but it's, it was big enough for me to say I should be tracking these 25. I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but when that happened, I changed everything. I changed the, the boost max to $25 for tracking. I always try and track very conservatively, so I want it to be consistent there. The one kind of weird result of that is that I think I'm going to keep my unit at one unit at $50 just because a lot of promos still max at $50. And I just kind of want to be consistent on that front from where I've been, which means that when I'm tracking a half unit play, it's $25. If I'm tracking a full unit play, it's also $25. So it's not really going to scale incredibly well, but uh, this is how I'm doing it for now. I might change that in the future, but I just wanted to kind of clarify that for people. Nick, uh, what, any thoughts on May? It sounds like we've had a pretty good May. I mean, I, I'm glad everyone had, you had a pretty bad May, considering how many times, how much, how many units I took from you. But I'm glad, I'm glad everyone else in the Discord was able to have a, a pretty successful May. Yeah, these these are these are the Twitter results, uh, but the Discord was uh, really strong for May. Prize picks. Uh, fantasy sports in general did really well. Uh, Tuesday did well, as I mentioned, officials did well. So everything went great in the Discord as well. The spreadsheet that I'm focusing on is Twitter and what that means for promos at large. 
unfortunately, uh, I did burn all of this and more on losing money to you on uh, Nuggets Heat bets that I didn't know that we had. So, yeah. Uh, cool. So let's move on to the second part of the big thought, which is big thought number two. Uh, another thing that people have been asking me about. So data golf for people who don't know, it is a resource that you can pay for that basically gives, it's basically another model uh, and it gives its numbers projections for uh, different golfers for each tournament and everything coming up. And They've had a really nice track record of being better or sharper than the books, which just means that if you took bets that data golf would suggest based off of their models, you would do well betting them on sports books over the last few years. So I never fully embraced data golf, uh, mostly because I've always found myself to be an EV account. And what that means is that you aren't taking people's models and projections, whether it's sharp cappers or data golf, just because it's not about what those models say, but it's about where people are putting their money, right? And sports books are the ones that are taking risk, putting, you know, putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak. And there's so many books out there and there's so much knowledge out there that even if there were, or are sharp models that can have favorable results. Like, I don't know at what point the books adjust to those and at what point, at how much they're taking in, but it's widely available. Everyone knows about data golf. It's not like it's this hidden model secret, but I'm never going to use any model over the sports book projections. Like that's just not, in my opinion, when EV accounts meant to do. For me as promo guy, I'm always going to take the fair lines with the sports books offer. So uh, yeah. the reason why data golf is sort of interesting here is that it's been good for years and it has had a brutal couple of months. Uh, I reached out to one person. Uh, I basically was, I saw this on Twitter from, uh, I always mess up his name, but 10 inch tall motherfucker or something. Uh, uh, Twitter guy, I always <laughs> mess up his name, but uh, his EV account that was giving out I was giving out data golf plays. So if data golf had a projection uh, that was that looked favorable on sports books that you bet it and presumably make money like you had years past. And I saw him give up and just say it's been too bad. So I asked him for a spreadsheet and it is quite bad. Um, he lost on mostly smallish bets, but it was about 500 bets overall. Let me scroll down here. 442 bets overall. Um, sizes varied, but mostly, you know, reasonable $100, $50, $10. He said he was limited on some books. So there's like a bunch of line items that are like $3. Uh, and then it went up to 300, 400, 500 at the most, but those were kind of rare and he seemed to actually do okay on those. So anyway, so he was down 5,100 on the spreadsheet on those 442 bets. And my takeaway is like, yes, it could be variance. For sure. It can always be variance kind of thing. And I, I don't know if you, you ever want to take a month and a half sample over a three-year sample. But for me, I kind of could see that it's not like FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, Circa, which is doing a lot of these markets now with the matchups, top 10, winner, a lot of the stuff that Data Golf recommends you to bet. 
it's not like they don't see where data golf is. It's not like they don't know that thousands of people look at data golf and it is quite plausible that they adjust a lot of their markets to, to when maybe data golf, you know, so to speak, like makes a good point that, oh, maybe Rory should be favored over this guy, but they would take all that information, adjust some of them and then not adjust the ones that they think they're right on. They're like, no, data golf's off. They're not incorporating this and data golf doesn't actually take risk, right? It's not like uh, they are, if they have a bad line, nobody's hammering it. So I think that it's actually plausible that the books have adjusted to it and that the ones that they hang out are intentionally hung out for people to, you know, take advantage of, but not really take advantage of because the sports books think they are right. And I don't know the answer. I just think it's plausible. I've, why I've never given out data golf stuff and other people have is just because, again, it, it's a model. It's not taking risks like sports books do. And I'll always go with sports books, even if a lot of people have good models. Like uh, Ducky has some models that outperform, whatever. But I'm never going to do a no run first inning FanDuel boost and devig it to Ducky. I'm going to devig it to the sports books. So uh, that's where I stand on it. I think that it's it should be used as a resource. It's something to consider. If there's a tiebreaker, you can look at it like that. I would not use it as a be-all, end-all, just because I think it's very real possibility that sportsbooks are adjusting to it and the discrepancies that they leave out are intentional. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that for you, it, you're, you go right to understanding. And I say interesting. It's probably more correct and the right way to approach it that the sports books have caught up. Typically, I would think it's a bad streak, which ha happens in gambling. Why would this not be a reversion to the mean? If their mean was being profitable over the last three years, wouldn't eventually they turn If they're in a bit of a bad streak right now, I would think that greener pastures are right around the corner. But I guess that's more of the degenerate gambler in me not focusing on the fact that the, the books are simply aware of what they're doing and just pricing out any value. Yeah, no. And look, that's very possible. Very possible. I, I'm not going to die on a hill that data golf will never be profitable again or anything like that. I guess what I'm just saying is the downstreak made it sort of like, okay, let's talk about data golf because it's something that people have asked me about for a while. And it's always been my my thing that I'm never just going to choose a model or whatever. I do think it's plausible that the books are paying more and more attention to it as it's become more popular and has a longer track record of success. Uh, but yeah, so, but for devigging purposes, I just, I'm never going to, to do something like that, that the sports books can see and they have knowledge of uh, just for that reason. But I know that if all the books who are take put you know putting up their money on this they're not hanging stuff out for for charity here uh and i'm always going to debig off that and assume it'll be profitable over the long term because that that's always what will work is devigging against sports books uh it's possible that data golf would be a slightly better devig it's possible that it would be a worse devig but i know this i you know being conservative whatever like i know the sports books will work and, you know, followers trust that, like, I'm going to send them something that is somewhat truly plus EV. Yeah. Okay, uh, great. So I think that is it for our show today. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Underdog Fantasy and Mojo, the stock market for sports. 
stay tuned to my Discord, which again, uh, first month half off using the promo code Hank, H-A-N-K, so $7.50 for uh, a month in Discord. Follow us on all platforms because the Promo Guy podcast, episode nine, will be back next week. Rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you then. Thanks, TBG. Thanks, Hank. Thanks, Hank.